0: Hey everyone, this is Rachel. Just a little heads up before we begin this week's episode that I am a total dork. (laughs) You will hear in the episode a couple of times where I hit my microphone. I was trying something different with my microphone for this episode and clearly it was no good. Just know that it's because I was just so excited to be talking about this week's topic that I was swinging my arms all over the place and having a great time. If you're not driving while listening to this episode, maybe have fun with it and turn it into a drinking game for every time you hear me hit my mic. (laughs) Thank you all so much, as always, for your continued support. Ignore my microphone hits and enjoy the episode this is hashtag history episode 53 i'm rachel and
1: i am leah and this week we're talking about the hartford circus fire have you ever heard of it leah i have not i have not no i when you threw it out there or put it on our you know upcoming episodes shared document i was like huh
0: yeah heh, heh, eh. and and same for me too it, it was something that came up in one of these rabbit holes of like looking at the most controversial things that's a, that have ever happened in u.s history this was one of the ones that came to the top of the list and i had never heard of it which meant We had to talk about it. Yeah. So in a nutshell, this fire occurred on July 6th, 1944 in Hartford, Connecticut, and would be marked as one of the worst fires in U.S. history. The fire happened during a Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey performance that was attended by close to 8,000 people. It would result in the deaths of 168 people and injury to another 700 people. That's a lot. It's a lot. Having said all of that, I cannot even wait to see what kind of cocktail you have put together to relate to this week's episode.
1: Well, let me preface it by saying don't get your hopes up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history
0: haters alike, where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption.
1: Because <laughs> I don't think you're going to love it. Oh, let me also okay. state yeah. that I had to stop myself from doing a Gilmore Girls inspired cocktail because Loreline is from Hartford, Connecticut, and that's all I could think of about when I saw this topic. And I appreciate you saying that because I am
0: a, a poor excuse for a woman because I've seen like two episodes of Gilmore
1: Girls ever. Yeah, that's a little hurtful. Yeah, I, I can see it in your eyes that. Just a little bit. She kind of wants to break up the friendship. But, yeah, it's okay. fine. Like, <laughs> Gilmore Girls is up. even one of those shows where I remember watching it. And my brother was like, I like this show, like as a teen. I mean, it's on Netflix or something. Yeah, right? Netflix. Okay. And then Nico is like, yeah, this is okay. I'm
0: I'm really busy right now with quarantining, but I could probably fit that you in. could fit it in. Yeah. Just give it a chance.
1: Okay. okay. No, I
0: will totally. I'm down for giving Gilmore Girls a chance. Okay. Now that that's out of the way.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Today's cocktail is, in fact, the Satan Circus. Aptly named. Aptly named. Don't need to dive into it, right? I mean... It's straight up, straightforward. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> it contains two ounces of rye whiskey, which, wowza, that's a lot. That, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a significant. That's more than a shot of whiskey. Uh, it, it also contains three-fourths ounces of h- sherry liqueur. Cherry liqueur. Sherry? Sherry. What is sherry liqueur? There's sh- It's a thing called sherry, but that's not what we're drinking. Okay. We're having cherry liqueur. Knock-off cherry liqueur. Knock-off cherry liqueur. Uh, three-fourths ounces of Campari. That's the part we're not looking forward to. Uh, because
0: we have a three-fourths full bottle that we bought a year and a half ago. But it
1: gives it that red glow. That satan
0: glow. That satan
1: glow. <laughs> that Satanic glow. And then you finish it off with three ounces of fresh squeezed lemon juice, which I actually juice lemons for us. So. <laughs> so fancy. Top-notch here. Yes. I'm going to be honest in saying I'm not looking forward to the Campari. I think you share that sentiment. Oh, yeah. Yes but, yes. but I have read that the cherry liqueur overpowers it and I'm crossing my fingers that that is true.
0: Does knockoff cherry liqueur will cover it? Okay. We shall see. It's very satanic looking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I tried pretending that it was good because she made me drink first and then she drank and I was like, ha! I w- I waited a
0: really long time to watch her face. Oh god. It's why it's Can nothing cover Campari. Nothing can cover Campari, right? I feel like too
1: someone who drinks a lot. Aren't we supposed to like Campari? Isn't that like a bougie We're supposed to also like gin. Okay. See. We're not I like real. gin better than I like Campari. I would agree I, I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. It's just I'm gonna chug. Yeah, this is what we do. We chug. <laughs> Campari is so dry, right? It, it, it truly—if it, you—if you like Campari, then you would like this drink, I would assume. If you don't, all you taste is the Campari. Literally, I feel like I'm drinking an entire glass of Campari. Right?
1: Is there anything
0: else in this? No.
1: We could put more cherry liqueur, but I just let's just get it over with. Yeah. Do you taste anything else in it? I don't it's even the, taste the whiskey. For me, the aftertaste of Campari is yes. so strong. Yes. I taste while I'm drinking it, yeah, I can taste whiskey and I can taste cherry. No? I can even taste a little lemon there. Oh, f- but after <laughs> I taste nothing but
0: Campari. <sighs> why is
1: it so bad?
0: And why is it in so many drinks? <sighs> it's impossible to avoid. We we do need <laughs> We do need to get through our bottle, because when I when I brought it over here or whatever, that bottle is three-fourths full, and we've been doing this podcast for a year and a Did half. Did you finish
1: yours? No. no. <laughs> Are you crazy? If right. I just don't start to gag, so I, I just have to stop myself from gagging, and I'm good. <laughs> so what's your rating on that one? Two. <laughs> yeah. One. 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 One point yeah. five. One. 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 Let's be real. One would never drink again would never drink again so we went from a nine nine an average nine to what what is our average now (laughs) i'm gonna do math please please do yeah our average came down from the first two episodes of the season
0: with this drink it came down to six that's still pretty good because it was two it was i was expecting it to be lower god now my stomach i just burped and i feel so much better Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey don't need much of an introduction. No. We all know them as the greatest show on earth, right? The greatest showman. The greatest show, exactly, exactly. The Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey were merged in 1919 and operated all the way through 2017 when they officially closed
1: after a 146-year run. Which is shocking. Like, there's that they lasted so much, much long. controversy when it comes to, like, circus and... Animal rights. Animal rights, especially. Yeah. Yes. That, I'm shocked that they survived till 2017. Yes.
0: and And by 2017, it was like, they couldn't... Ignored anymore The public could not ignore Their complete disregard For animal rights But for the purposes Of today's episode We know that circuses Typically traveled From city to city And set up Big tops Which were essentially Large tents Under which the circus Would perform Ringling Brothers And Barnum and Bailey However had a Big Big top That could fit Some 9,000 Audience members Around their three rings Wow
1: 9,000?
0: That's insane right? Okay Okay Consider that to like today's
1: concert stadiums. That's huge. But so I mean, but back then, like 9,000 people in a moving event venue. Yes, absolutely. In a a, a transitory event venue. Exactly. Yes. The tent used in
0: Hartford was a brand new tent for the season. And the most important thing to note about this 500 foot long tent is that At a time when the United States was involved in World War II, remember this was 1944, Mm -hmm. and resources were allocated for war efforts, circus staff chose to waterproof the tent canvas with paraffin wax that was thinned with gasoline. Oh, no. Some 6,000 gallons of gasoline, to be exact. They waterproofed the tent
1: with gasoline. This is correct.
0: Okay. Now, I wasn't able to find a very good overview picture of the tent from that particular day in Connecticut, so I snagged a picture taken of this exact tent just one month earlier when the circus was in Philadelphia.
1: Okay. So, it looks like your typical, like, event white tent, obviously, but huge. It's huge. Like, huge. (laughs) It's huge. Huge. Huge,
0: huge. (laughs) While various sources report various numbers, all we know is that the audience size on this fateful day was anywhere between six and eight thousand people. July 6th, 1944, was a particularly hot day in Hartford, Connecticut. So people, particularly children, were looking for something to do to kill the heat. The famous French lion tamer, Alfred Court, had just completed his routine and the flying Wallendas were up, which was a f- world famous group of stunt performers known for balancing
1: on a high wire without a safety net. I have to, can we just do a little shout out for circus performers? Kudos. Round of applause. You yes. are crazy. You are the heroes. You are heroes. Now, suddenly out of nowhere,
0: someone screamed, the tent is on fire. The circus band leader immediately instructed the band to begin playing "Stars and Stripes Forever," a song that had previously been designated to inform staff, like circuit staff, that something was wrong.
1: Okay, that's a good. That's actually a really good safety precaution. Yeah, I know. Like, if you that hear sounds this crazy. song, that means something was wrong. Yes, due
0: to the gasoline-coated tent, the fire spread rapidly. Soon, literal burning pieces of the tent began falling on the heads of people inside. Stampedes occurred as people attempted to run for the exits. but once there, they found that many of the exits were blocked off by animal shoots that were still there because the lions had only just finished performing and hadn't been removed from the tent just yet.
1: Oh, yeah, I can't I don't want to talk about how many animals died.
0: We'll, we'll get to it, and I don't want feel to. feel
1: optimistic. Okay, we'll get there feel good animals (laughs) have really great instincts humans don't feel feel good
0: about the animals here okay um so i'm going to show you a picture so you can really visualize these animal
1: shoots and i'm hoping that you can kind of describe them for our listeners so there's obviously out of the tent there's like an opening into and out of the tent and then there's like a a metal cage Kind of like half circle. It's essentially like a tunnel. A tube. A yeah. tunnel out of the, the thing into their, um, their cage on wheels mm-hmm. where they can be moved to um, their main storage facility.
0: Correct. And then I have one other picture. It's an overhead view of the inside of the tent so that you can see each one of the exits that these, the, the audience potentially had. What you'll see in this picture is that, again, those two exits on the north side were blocked by the animal shoots. Mm-hmm. So nine exits suddenly become seven. Even worse than that, though, five of these remaining exits were super narrow. So no more than like seven or eight people could actually funnel through them at a time. Mm-hmm. So
1: God, in, as an event planner, this is like, I'm sure this like this is going to me kills nightmares. you. Yeah. Yeah. So in essence,
0: you were left with three exits for upwards of eight thousand people to get out from.
1: Oh my god, this is giving me anxiety.
0: <laughs> I actually didn't consider that when putting together this episode <laughs> that as an event planner this would really freak you out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> an incredibly
0: brave man named Bill Curly essentially straddled the animal shoots. So he was like standing up on top of them and lifting children up and over them to get them out. Oh
1: my god, Bill. he, s-
0: he saved several children bill but was eventually killed when the burning tent fell down on top of him oh my god bill Uh, the better seats you know the ones that were like toward the middle where people could really see the three rings were chairs not bleachers like the majority of the seating in the tent So that meant that these chairs, they were not nailed down to the ground, meaning that hazards. Yes.
1: I'm going to call things out. I appreciate it. Okay. We have an expert here, you
0: guys, as an event planner. Uh, Leah knows that these chairs not being nailed down means that they were tripping hazards. They fell down to the ground and the chairs were getting knocked over and people were tripping over them as they were racing out of the tent. Emmett Kelly, the most famous clown. In the world at this time was one of the he was at one of the exits ushering people out but the stampede of people trampled him and forced him completely out of the tent
1: it's so funny in our last episode we talked i talked about i talked about how i learned in an event planning course that most people in emergency situations act rationally calmly, rationally they help people they do what they need to do they make a beeline and this is pr- this is the <laughs> exception to the rule. This completely defies what you said in last episode. Yeah.
0: People began cutting their way through the canvas and making their way out of the tent. That way, some 300 people were able to escape from those pathways alone. That's great worst of all is to hear the stories of people that actually returned to the burning tent after escaping because they were searching for their loved ones. That's devastating. Devastating, and I very much imagine myself being one of those people. That's you. Right? No, that's 100% me, that like, if I got out there and I didn't see my sister, I'm going back into this burning tent to find her. The tent came down so quickly that it essentially smothered the flames. By the time the firefighters arrived, there was next to no fire to put out.
1: Leah. Guess how long it took this tent to go down from start to finish. Just based on Hindenburg case, <laughs> based on event planning experience, I'm going to guess eight minutes. Was I right? You're a f-ing genius.
0: It, <laughs> it it was exactly eight minutes and I am flabbergasted that you knew that. Exactly. Eight it minutes. was. It took exactly eight minutes for this tent to go down. All right. That was amazing. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> By the time the firefighters arrived, 168 people had lost their lives, two-thirds of which were children. Obviously, there were more children than adults at the circus that day. That's not that hard to fathom that there would have been more children attending a circus than adults. But another huge reason for why so many of the victims were children is not necessarily because there were simply more children than adults there that day, but because children were easy to get trampled in the stampede of people rushing out from the tents. Ugh. Children's hands were literally ripped away from their parents as people attempted to escape. These children had no chance.
1: This is Stephanie. And Tux. From the podcast Beyond Reproach, a show about political scandals from American history. But it's fun, we swear. The idea behind our show is that politicians and government officials are meant to be public servants. And their behavior should be Beyond Reproach, but if history has taught us anything, it's that a lot of politicians are total scumbags. So we decided to do a show where
0: we drink period-appropriate historic cocktails while exploring some of the government scandals and shitty politicians of America's past. We are not historians. We're just a couple of drunks who never shut up and love history.
1: We hope you'll join us on Beyond Reproach for some big facts, good laughs, a little bit of swearing, a lot of drinking, and a real good time. America's history is juicy, we just add gin.
0: Amazingly, the only animals in the tent at the time of the fire were the big cats, and they were all able to escape alive. Because cats
1: are smarter than humans. Correct. Like like you
0: said, the instincts are, are more innate. So I have some pictures here of the tent oh. as it was on fire. I actually have four pictures here, which we will, of course, upload to
1: Instagram. My first comment is like, I always love the people that are like, I'm going to take a picture of this. Yeah. Could you imagine like during a, in a natural disaster or tragedy and being like historical data <laughs> or like Instagram famous? <laughs> yes. Or like I can sell this to time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's my first thought. But otherwise you just see chaos in the foreground, mm-hmm. people trying to escape for their lives, children, women, men, crazy hectic panic and then in the background you see this black pillar of smoke emerging from what was the tent it's um oh and then there's an ad for (laughs) coca-cola there is a there is a tent that says coca-cola on it that is totally on fire yeah um yeah it's it's a lot it's a
0: lot yeah and finally i've one other picture to show you because this is the most iconic picture to come from this horrific incident in history Um, remember Emmett Kelly earlier I mentioned him uh, he was the famous clown most famous clown in the world at this time he was helping people escape the tent yeah there's actually this picture of him can you see him there he's the one right here on the right hand side
1: so he he's like walking he's holding his hand up to look through the sun or the smoke or whatever Mm -hmm. um in his other hand he has a pail oh yeah it's a
0: pail of water yeah He's trying to help. Yes, he was really trying to help. This here is Emmett Kelly in full clown costume carrying a pail of water in an attempt to put out the fires. Ugh. Based on the look on his face, one newspaper reprinted this picture and entitled The Hartford Circus Fire: The Day the Clowns Died or Curtain. <laughs> <laughs> Just JK. The day the clowns cried. It's
1: devastating.
0: People there say that one moment, all you could hear were children screaming and crying. I
1: can't imagine. I'm such like... I know. I imagine these things happening. And hearing the cries of children trapped in a tent burning to death is just... And what's almost
0: worse is then people reported the very next moment, hearing the screaming just stop.
1: Yeah. I'm sure... I mean, I'm sure it was an instant.
0: Yes. And the majority of the dead were found actually at... Either of those two exits where the animal shoots were. There were some children found alive underneath the bodies of other victims. Because of the intense heat, the bodies of the dead had quite literally fused together. And so firefighters had to break the bodies apart to get to the survivors. That's really gross. It's it's really bad. An incredible website called CircusFire1944.com has put together a truly amazing dedication to each and every one of the victims and survivors on their website where you can click on each person's name and learn more about them. That's cool. Oh, it's it's like very, very beautiful. I have the CircusFire1944.com website to thank for a lot of the information that I got for this episode, including those pictures that we just viewed. Mm-hmm. Following the fire, victims were rushed to the hospital where some would stay for up to six months, having surgery after surgery as they recovered from the severe fire damage that they suffered. Mm -hmm. Of the victims of the circus fire, there is one victim in particular that is the best known, even though her identity remains unknown to this day. Hmm. She is known as Little Miss 1565, named for the number that was assigned to her body at the morgue. She was approximately six, seven, or eight years old. There are pictures of her that can be viewed online, but they were too sad for me to include in this episode. If you just type in Little Miss 1565 into Google, you'll find them right away. She has garnered so much attention simply because of the tragedy of it all. Her grave continues to receive flowers regularly, even though it has been 76 years and even though we still do not officially know who she was to this day. Police did take fingerprints, footprints, and dental charts from her body and in 1991 announced that the body belonged to Eleanor Emily Cook, although her aunt and uncle who viewed her body deny this. They viewed the body multiple times and have determined that it did not look like her, that she was not wearing the correct clothing, that they knew she was wearing the day of the fire, and dental records actually indicate that the deceased girl was likely closer to six years old, even though Eleanor was eight following this announcement though eleanor's body was exhumed and was buried next to her brother edward who was six and had also died in the hartford circus fire an investigation was immediately conducted to determine what exactly had happened that fateful day authorities officially concluded that the fire had been an accident and that the cause of the fire had been someone who had carelessly tossed a cigarette near the tent
1: no don't smoke (laughs) don't smoke kids Hashtag don't smoke.
0: This investigation also concluded, however, that there had been severe negligence on the part of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey. In addition to those awful gasoline-coated canvases, they also determined that the circus's fire extinguishers were in a storage unit and totally inaccessible at the time of the disaster. What's more devastating about this discovery is that experts have said that had the fire extinguishers been accessible, it would have taken $1 fire extinguisher and a matter of seconds to put out the fire a handful of officials and employees with the circus were charged only a month after the incident with involuntary manslaughter although the circus agreed to pay the city for damages as well as to pay five million dollars to the victims and their families that had filed claims against them they continued to deny responsibility for the fire itself they went to court and four of the men charged were found guilty Amazingly, these men were still allowed to continue with the circus to their next stop to help them set up. And only a year later, all of the men were pardoned. Whoa. One of these men, James A. Haley, was the vice president of the circus at the time. And after being pardoned from his conviction, he worked for the circus for a few years longer before eventually becoming a 24-year member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Ooh just when all this appeared to be put together something incredible happened six years after the fire in 1950 a man named robert dale segge was questioned in ohio in relation to some 68 fires that had all occurred between the years of 1940 and 1946 all within 10 blocks of his house in portland maine while there segge admitted to somewhere between 25 and 30 of those fires in portland With a juvenile criminal record, he had set at least two fires in the family home while growing up, and with an IQ of approximately 78, Sege joined the circus on June 30th, 1944, when he was in Portland. On the exact same day as his start date, a small fire began on the circus tent ropes. This fire was quickly put out. On the circus's next trip to Providence, Rhode Island, a small fire began on a tent flap. During his 1950 police interrogation, Seggy admitted to setting both of these fires. And then the circus's next stop was Hartford. Seggy did initially admit to setting the fateful Hartford Circus fire. He said that a Native American man that had fangs and claws had appeared to him in a nightmare and had told him to set the fire. Okay.
1: Clearly some mental problems. There, or correct. What have you.
0: Correct. What, what have you. Later in 1950, Sege would be arrested in the state of Ohio on arson charges, where he would serve several years before being transferred to a state hospital for paranoid schizophrenia. Sege would later recant his confessions, and authorities would determine it impossible to officially place Segge in Connecticut at the time of the Hartford Circus Fire. He died in 1997. The PTSD that the survivors of this incident suffer from is real. Yeah, many of them reported never being able to be in a large crowd again or ever being able to attend a concert or a movie showing and definitely not a circus ever again because it
1: made their anxiety go through the roof. I could imagine, of course, I mean, the idea of going out to a concert now after covid sure is um, anxiety inducing anxiety inducing. And then imagine being a person that was
0: there watching a tent around you literally thousands of people died in a fire correct and you could hear their screams correct now in doing this whole episode research can only tell you so much right it's it's the first-hand accounts and the first-hand experiences that really tell us what it was like to be there that day and the first-hand accounts are horrendous I watched a documentary about the Hartford Circus Fire and they interviewed several of the survivors who told such awful stories. One man who was just a small child at the time of the fire told the story about how he went to the circus that day with a woman from his neighborhood that had invited him and how he had watched someone unintentionally knock her over in the process of racing out of the tent. When she fell, she hit her head and she never woke back up. She died in the fire. And this little boy was left to find his own way out of the tent by himself. Another man told a story about how he went to the circus that day with his mom and how as they were escaping the tent, pieces of the tent fell on top of his mom, leaving her with severe burns on her arms and head so severe that she was forced to wear a wig for the rest of her life. In 2005, on the 61st anniversary of the fire, a dedication ceremony was held for the survivors and relatives of the victims where the city revealed a memorial that had been put together. At the exact location where the tragedy occurred now lies a memorial that contains the names and ages of each of the victims.
1: thank you all so much for listening to this episode of hashtag history. We will share the pictures that we discussed on the episode to our Instagram. And there were a lot of pictures today. So yeah, just be ready. <laughs> be ready. <laughs> All sources used to put together this episode can be found on our website at hashtag history pod.com. Subscribe to us on
0: whatever podcast platform you use, share about us on Instagram, and then give us a rate and review.
1: Speaking of Instagram, be sure to check us out on there at hashtag history underscore podcast. That's at hashtag history underscore podcast. Again, hashtag history underscore podcast. <laughs> we're like an infomercial i know and again
0: (laughs) (laughs) but wait there's more (laughs) thank you again thanks bye
1: Bye. pod.com i am drunk i'm feeling okay okay great (laughs) i'm recording now blah 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 okay
0: now i'm recording thanks wait
1: i don't think god i'm not hold on
0: Am I? Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> Am I? <laughs> okay.
0: Almost as much as stomach churns on the... um. Do not. Do not. Set it down. Don't. Continue. Are you really going to get sick? Don't stop. Don't start drinking more. She's going to vomit in front of me. Self-induced. We need a moment. Get your saliva moved around. Oh. Did you hear that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there may be some vomiting during
1: this episode. We God, may have to pause once that was bad. it was really bad. My the back of my throat is on fire. That's what it is. It, is yours burning? Do you, no. Do you need water? No.
0: Move move the saliva around. That's what I've been doing. do you
1: hear my stomach?
0: <clears throat> it's in the back of the throat. Yeah, mine is all on my tongue. <laughs> La, la, la. Yeah, I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> They're complete disregard for human rights any longer. Animal but rights. What did I say? Human rights. Oh, my God. They're complete disregard for human rights any longer. <laughs> human rights. Animal rights. I'm scared for this episode. I feel that really f- fast. I feel it, it was
1: strong. This is the, the finger tingling stuff. <laughs> I can't be on my list right now.
0: I know. It's fast. And you have
1: to talk. You have to talk because you have to, have to make it funny. Okay. <laughs> pull, she's pulling in her cheeks right now. We don't feel our chins. <laughs> uh f- no, What you really said was doesn't. great. Yeah. This is guys. This is number three. Should we do an Instagram really quick? Yes, please. We're on a third episode. We can't feel our mouths. Yeah. Blah blah
0: blah blah blah. Yep. I'm recording too. I'm sorry, future Leah. That has to. Edit I hate this. Us, she so much. us. She hates us. She so hates. She hates us. She. I don't. You don't. You don't give a f- I don't give a f- Because you live a stress-free life. I live. A and future st- Leah doesn't know what stress-free life means, <laughs> no. but drunk Leah does. Yeah. Yep. All right. <laughs> 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 it's devastating. It's it's devastating. <laughs> Let me say that a little more heartfelt. And so firefighters had to break the pipes right out
1: with their face. <laughs>